0: welcome to conversations with quiet leaders my name is juliette morris i believe there is greatness in leading and building teams through powerful listening what's being said and what's being heard in this podcast you'll hear from quiet leaders who are being more bold more brave and more comfortable with who they are today i'm honored to have graham knowles join me in a conversation with quiet leaders graham is group head of financial planning and analysis at Cobweb and Fusion. Welcome, Graeme. Thank you so much for speaking with me today.
1: Hi, Juliet. Nice to speak to you.
0: Well, you read and listened to my first podcast on quiet leadership with David, and you said that it really resonated with you. So I'm really interested in your thoughts on quiet leadership.
1: Sure. Um, I guess it goes all the way back to growing up, the models that you see and, and take in growing up of, of, of leadership tends to be a very different type of leader so you know you know, when I was a kid growing up you, you saw the likes of you, you Richard Branson, your Alan Sugars in, in, in Britain as being very you know very loud and very um, extroverted characters and you know, others you know you, you Jack Welsh at, at GE you know that, that kind of brute force mm-hmm. of personality style leader that you become ingrained I guess with that is what a leader is and that's what it means to be a leader. And you know, as, as I got older and you know, through through school and, you know, studying you know, business studies and going into a business degree, a lot of the case studies that you would look at was again, similar kinds of leaders. Mm-hmm. So you, you're always drip fed this constant stream of, of, of this is how you lead. This is what it means to be a leader. Um, and not just in you know, the business world, you look at, you know, sports, you know, your Alex Ferguson characters as a, as a very prominent figure, or your you know, your Maggie Thatchers, if you like, the very forceful personality as leaders, and then you get to Sageray. You know, certainly for me, you know, I started working and looking around you know in, in the office at, at, the, at the leaders you're working with and, and for and yes there's certainly some of those characters around but certainly my experience was that the far more effective and interesting and you know well-liked and respected kind of leaders were, were very different they weren't that kind of leader so i guess ultimately that, that opened my eyes really to that you don't have to be this one type of person to be a leader you have to do what what fits you and it's okay not to be yeah, the prototypical caricature of the you know the, the autocratic loud leader who's you know up on stage rivaling everyone and mm-hmm. come on follow me yeah I guess you're Steve Ballmer. you know in his Microsoft days of just this over the top kind of leadership and it's you know you look around in the real world and that's that's not the case in a lot of companies there's a lot of very different types and I guess I wasn't expecting that moving into the workforce because I just hadn't seen that as, as a model. Mm. Um, so certainly for me, you know, that that kind of character is, isn't isn't me. So so being able to, to work with and for different types of people, it it you know, showed me that you know, that was an option for me. I, I I didn't need to change who I was in order to be a to be a leader.
0: Mm. That's really interesting because Richard Branson is was actually very introverted and shy as a child. He's spoken about it quite a lot in you know the things that he. How he's overcome his fears, and and I think it was uh, Winston Churchill that he ended up watching and modelling himself on. I think that's correct. So it's quite interesting you talk about Richard Branson because we see him as this, you know, outgoing personality, but I think it's something he's learned and something he's discovered along the way. Which leads me into how you've recognized that. How did you how did you feel then comfortable with understanding that? You are a little bit quieter, but you, you've ended up in a, a leadership position. But how have you felt comfortable then with who you are?
1: Um, well, I guess it comes down to the fact that you know, being who I am got me to the stage of moving into those leadership roles. Mm. Um, and I guess you get to that point of transitioning into a, in, into a management or leadership role. And I guess at that stage, you, you kind of have a choice to make. You know, do I keep doing the things that have got me here and keep being the person that I am? Or, or do i you know come in the next day power dressing and, and changing my personality and, and, and trying to be somebody else um you know ultimately for me if you spending your days trying to be somebody else i think it's exhausting for one um it's and you're gonna get found out uh you, you can't put a mask on uh for, for that long so you know for me it's i didn't really see an option to be anything other than, than myself to be authentic to who i am and to carry that on into, you know, in, into a leadership role. Um, that's what got me there. I'm not, I'm not going to change it now. You know, certainly that transition from, you know, starting management roles. Uh, you know, certainly for me, you know, I, I didn't necessarily have a lot of you know, support and guidance, and certainly no manual along the way for that transition. Which may ultimately have helped because I wasn't trying to live up to something else or someone else's expectations on what I need to do differently. Uh, so it was very much a case of trial and error and, and, and find, find my own way based on, I guess, you know, what, what is working, what's not working, but, but doing so in a way that, that is me.
0: You lead a, a team and you work closely with the senior le- the rest of the senior leadership team. So ha- you talked about being comfortable with being you, but if someone's listening to this and they, they are concerned about how, how they manage teams with different personalities and different strengths and skills... And how they operate, then you know, having a seat at the table, you know, being heard. So, what steps do you go through, or what have you learned about yourself to be able to do that?
1: Um, well, I guess it's, 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 it's two distinct questions there, isn't it? Um, I guess for you know yourself at the, at the seat of the table, I, I guess for me, you know, you you, you prove a level of, of competence to, to gain respect, but and, and that's done you know through your work as opposed to your words. Um, certainly for me, I guess I, I've deliberately stayed within, you know, small to medium businesses and maybe a part of that is that I feel I can have a bigger contribution, but also it's, you have that more close connection to, to your colleagues. Mm. Um, so maybe it's easier to, to, build that level of, of mutual respect and understanding, uh, because of the repeated interactions, as opposed to the, you know, the fa- the faceless thousands of, of. People, corporations, spread all over the world, where where maybe that's not quite so easy to do in that manner. Um, Certainly, you know, for for a team, I get, I guess, I was relatively lucky in in regards that I didn't start off straight off the bat with a very large team. So I've progressively, you know, grown grown number of team members, you know, slowly over time as I've built up, I guess, levels of comfort, know what I'm doing, and. Can learn mistakes along the way, so it's a, a smaller scale. You know, fail small, learn early, and it, it's it's all a process, isn't it? You know, no one's going to do everything right first off the bat. You're going to make mistakes along the way. You're going to do things or interact with people in a way that you look back a uh, days, weeks, months later and think, "What was I thinking? You know that was absolutely not the right thing to do or not the right approach to take." But all you can do is your best along the way and do what at the time you think is right. And and you, know, you have to build that experience, and that does take time.
0: And I love what you said around, you know, that, that comfort zone piece. And th- there is something around everyone that I've spoken to who are perhaps high achieving uh, quiet leaders, you know, well, quiet or not, they're high achieving. They, you know, they always want to do better. So they're in their comfort zone. They, You know, they want to do better and they layer it up and they keep progressing and progressing. And th- there's something around, that, I think, that general trait of understanding yourself, but learning along the way and doing better you know pushing yourself a little bit more you know going into that growth zone and then it becomes comfortable and then you go on to the next level and then you become comfortable there's something around that and i could hear that when you were describing that to me
1: yeah absolutely and i guess it's also um you you pick up along the way you know what what works for you personally being managed isn't always going to work for for, for your team so you can i guess certainly very early on fall into the trap of what well this is how I like to be managed. This is what, what I like, you know, personally, I like just giving space, leave me alone, set, set my end goal, leave me to it. Uh, but, you know, ma- managing that down, that's not always going to be the case. And you, know, you can just parrot that down. You can leave people floundering or, or or not sure what to do. So you have to just learn to tailor what you're doing and, and actually really get to grips with, with the personalities of your team uh, and spend time learning, you know, how how they want to take on information, how they want to interact with you. Um, it can't be focused on on you as an individual and what do you like? And therefore, that's what the team will get. Um, yeah, it's a very, very, I guess, a very selfish view. And that can't, that won't work as far as I'm concerned, because people need to receive it, receive information and receive mm. leadership in a way that works for them.
0: You've hit the nail on the head because everyone is an individual. And I don't think it's selfish because I think you you understand from your own perspective that everyone is an individual everyone everyone brings something to your team and to the role they're doing and therefore adapting to each of those is absolutely right over the past 12 months uh, we've all been working remotely and i know we talked about this when we spoke how has that shifted how you work with the team
1: um, well, obviously, I guess everything changed, doesn't, you know, We get to March last year and suddenly, suddenly everyone's at home. Um, yeah, you know, before, before then we had been a very office based team, so so it, it was all change. Um, so, you know, the important part really is just keeping, keeping the contact in place, understanding how much interaction your team members need from you and from others in the team, um, and that will vary based on the individual, also levels of experience. You know, me personally, fine. Leave me alone. I'll sit in my my little cell at home and and, and beaver away, and I'm I'm fine without mm-hmm. someone so getting on my case and and, and inter- interacting with. But that's not going to work for the members of my team. So it's making sure we've got touch points in place, we've got structures in place, we've got regular catch ups. And I guess for me, I've always been, you know, when in the office, a, a sort of management by walking about um, kind of character. I you know, I, I like to get off and walk around and, and see someone to, to talk about something as opposed to sending a quick email or a message, you know, building that, um, you know, the one-to-one or, 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 small group kind of, kind of relationship is, is, is how I like to operate. So, and it, again, it transfers exactly to at home. Um, we're all working remotely. So if I need something done quickly or some piece of information, it isn't just firing off a request via, via teams or, or sending an email, demanding something it's mm-hmm. you know, it's picking the phone up and taking the time to engage with with who you're going to talk to to maintain those relationships because we've got to a stage really where the main interaction we have with our colleagues is is just in meetings mm-hmm. uh, just talking about the issue of the day in a meeting so you, you can get to the end of the day absolutely exhausted you know zoom fatigue or, or whatever you want to call it where you've had all your colleagues you know beamed 12 inches from your face all day long I'm exhausted with that human interaction but actually you've not had anything meaningful uh, interaction with your colleagues because it's all just been meetings you, you miss out on the on the water cooler conversation and the, and the kitchen conversation and walking around the office so it's really just engineering those touch points and, and finding an excuse to talk to people to keep those relationships going.
0: But you're not having that individual connection with somebody to you know almost like that human connection to just have a chat you know the the ad hoc social interactions like you said the water cooler so you're absolutely right I think it's probably meeting fatigue
1: yeah and you know if you've been in in the same same place for a relatively long period of time you've got the experience you've got that bank of relationships you've built up but obviously as time goes on you know you've got people that could have worked for a company for a year and never met a colleague and. You know, worst mm-hmm. case, no, we never had anything other than a, than a work-based conversation with their colleagues. So that must be incredibly isolating. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it does fall upon you to, to make sure you're, you're keeping that connection with people.
0: And did you say you had someone new join?
1: Yes. You um, yeah, I, I guess a, a couple of months in, yeah, we, we had someone join. So I, I guess we saw the, um, well, we had the, the the good and bad parts, really, because obviously we, we, had, we had, you know, we've had leavers on the period as well. And part of that is, you know, switch to home-based working, suddenly feeling very remote. Um, so, you know, you do what you can to stop that happening. But but yeah, certainly, um, you know, you know, started coming on board, you know, it, it takes a lot within, you know, within the, the wider team to make sure people are feeling properly embedded and part of the team. You know, ours, you know we're, we're very lucky um, you know, when we recruited during the period, we've had to find, you know, some, some great people and we've really made an effort you know, both myself but more than that you know the, the wider team to, to make them feel really part of the team as it happens i think you know, you know one of the new joiners to my team when we got to the the our company end of year awards she, she got recognized as being you know our new our newcomer of the year and i was dropping her in a message you know in the uh, in the meeting to say yeah you know i've well done you've done you yeah, know fantastic great well at the same time the meeting we were on to the long service awards and you know i was sending her that message just as someone was getting there a 20 year long service award and the response I got from her was, you know, I absolutely love, love it here. I love what I do and I Mm. want to get that 20 year long service award. Mm. Uh, So for me, that was incredibly, incredibly proud, both, you know, mainly for the team of the culture we've created and making someone feel that, that welcome and that embedded in that part of, of what we're doing. When a lot of that time has been spent each of us sat in our own homes.
0: Yeah. That's amazing to hear you talked about education a little bit in there so if we go back to your education days and perhaps at childhood how did you feel around that uh you, you know in social situations in schooling and when you chose to do your degree as uh, as that quieter person
1: yeah well I guess yeah certainly all, all from you know, growing up through childhood I was always known I was a uh, introverted character i always better either on a one-to-one or, or small groups basis i guess in terms of choosing my degree i guess it was kind of almost accidental really that i ended up going down the route that i went down so i had a a, a change of a level subjects along the way because what i'd chosen wasn't really working out the great idea to do a physics a level turned out yeah, not my not my bag mm-hmm. uh, um so you know, trying to fill a gap in the schedule, I ended up doing, you know, taking on business studies, which I hadn't really looked okay. at before and turned out to be my best subject along mm-hmm. the way. So that then sort of led to going on to do a, do a business degree. And again, that was never really with intention of, of moving necessarily into finance, I never really had a clear idea of, of where I wanted to go with that. You know, also the degree I had, it had a, um, a sandwich placement in the air. So I had to find a, a year's placement to go and do something. You know, the three options largely on the table were marketing HR or finance marketing felt a little bit wishy-washy to me. I wasn't necessarily sure I was enough of a people person for HR, so that kind of left finance. That's the route I went down almost by accident. And I was then incredibly lucky to find myself in a a great company with a really great team in a very interesting situation where they're managing multiple different companies in very vastly different fields. And I was working on a day-to-day basis with teams of people that were used to running much larger businesses that had actually dropped down to a startup level. So I had that wealth of experience on a day to day basis and it was a real great educational experience for me, um, which kind of set me on that path.
0: I was speaking to a lot more people who um, want to come out of global corps and want to work in startups. So the experience that you've had and the specialism that you have now, what tips would you give people who maybe want to then convert from large blue chip corp to a startup scale up organisation?
1: I guess the main thing's got to be you need to be embracing change because everything's going to change every few days. Mm. Um, and the, the pace of that change is going to be exhausting. But as much as anything else, you need to be prepared to roll your sleeve up and do. I've seen people transition from from the blue chip organizations down to, to SMEs and we'll make a decision, like, yes, we're going to do this. Let's do it. And they'll be sat there like, great, Which who, who, who does it then? <laughs> which, which team goes ways and does it where, where, where's the team of 30 people sat in a room somewhere that goes and does this thing
0: yeah
1: no you you do it um so it's just that that different mindset that is very much hands-on and if something needs doing you have to roll your sleeves up and and do it and it's very different so you have to be a doer not just a, a planner or a thinker or a strategy level person it's just a, a complete change
0: yeah, you're so right. Because you have to, you have to. Whilst you're thinking strategy and you're planning ahead, you then have to be able to drop down in your mind and actually go and do that, and then come back up again just to make sure it it's landing in the right space. Um,
1: Absolutely, I think there's a lot more time you have to spend you know, balancing those priorities. That yes, let's do this thing, but because we haven't got any more people, we can't spin up a team of a hundred people over here to do it. It means if we do this have to drop that or we have to scale that back so you're you're juggling a lot more and spinning the plates a lot more as opposed to having the luxury of yes we'll do that and we'll do that and we'll do that as well
0: and making sure that you're still excited by that every single day because like you said it is it can be relentless you know that pace but you get that sense of excitement when you work in that environment too that because you can do it you can do it with what you have
1: Absolutely, you know, and I, I remember in my first, first year out, out of university, I was at a small internet company and in a two-year period went through nine company acquisitions. Mm. Uh, so you were constantly either doing due diligence on a new company or implementing that or hiving up and then moving on to the next one and the next one and the next one. There was never a time to stop and breathe and let's do the day job. It was always, what's the next big thing? I love that but it is a certain characteristic you need to have to, to want that and not necessarily just the steady grind.
0: Yeah, you're right. It doesn't suit everybody. I had a conversation with someone a few weeks ago. We wondered if there was a stereotypical type of person that works in finance because they tend to be heads down and, and certainly a lot of people I know are, are quiet leaders and very introverted, not everyone, and I'm generalising. But would you, would you agree with that statement or not?
1: Certainly, you know, the roles I've tended to have have tended to be in far more um, you know, business partnering kind of roles. So I'm kind of at the fringe of the finance team as the interface mm. to the rest of the business. Uh, and you know, certainly a lot of those roles exist. And finance is one of those areas where they, you kind of need that person to, to speak the language of the business and convert back to the language of finance and, and interface. Um, so there is that sort of rich stream of, of business partnering kind of uh, roles that you do have to be. You can't. Like, you can't just be the the man in the corner with a heads down, looking at some numbers. Um, so those roles do exist, but I think there's a wider a wider range there than you would normally expect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right, and there's something around as you've done, whether you're introverted or, or not. There's you know being a, comfortable with speaking the language and connecting with people and building those relationships and Mm -hmm. and ensuring that you have a presence in that space whilst all, all almost you need to go back and be analytical and heads down when you need to so being able to translate that back down and back out again um and the there is something around being an introvert or quieter person that enables you, I think, to be a bit more analytical and be focused. So you can almost like shut that noise out and just have your head down.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, certainly, certainly, you know, myself, that's I'd quite happily, you know, come into my office in the morning, headphones on five, five off a spreadsheet and, uh, lose four or five hours buried into mm. deep analysis. Um, but once I'm done with that, I then need a different kind of activity. Mm. Uh, you can't keep doing that that too long. So, so, for me, if I if I've got that kind of work to do, I'll come and spend you know a morning doing that, and then in the afternoon seek out you know, more communication with people and more uh, interaction with the rest of the business. So it so you don't become just a slave to you know numbers on a page.
0: Uh, and perhaps for me personally, it's around the energy. So being able to you know. When you've had lots of meetings or a lot of conversations, you build in that time where you can just have your headphones on or some quiet time, and you can focus or switch off or do something different.
1: Absolutely, yeah, you need, you need that mix. I, I, I couldn't couldn't solely do one or the other. Uh, so finding the times to, to to do both and schedule your days accordingly, so you don't end up with too long doing one thing or the other thing, uh, I think is very important.
0: With regards to leadership and presence, and you talked to you about, you know, connecting with people and finding your place at the table with a mix of returning to work and being able to accommodate everyone's individual requirements. What do you think that the next 12 months will look like for leaders to be able to accommodate all that and for you and yourself with your own teams?
1: It's certainly going to be a very big shake up. Uh, obviously, we've gone through a mass transition to, to home-based working, and at some stage, someone's going to want to flip a switch, and you'll see a lot of differences in different companies about a lot that probably top-driven down on, are you an all-back-to-the-office company? Are you a, we've proved we don't need the office anymore, so that's us mothball company, or somewhere in the middle? Um, I think the majority will probably end up somewhere in the middle. Mm. Um, I think you need to allow that flexibility to, to drill down through, throughout a business and find what's right for the business overall, but also for individual teams and individual characters within those teams. You know, certainly if, if someone's been merrily working away for 15 months at home and doing everything that's asked of them and doing a bang up job, turning around and say, well, you need to come back to the office now full time. For me, doesn't, doesn't sit right because they've proved they don't need to be there. But at the same time, you've got to think about the longer term team dynamics and company culture can you can you embed those effectively at home? I think it is possible, but takes a lot more effort all around. Mm. Um so I think you know a mix will become the, the primary primary model that you'll see. Uh, and certainly you know within my teams I've got people that would prefer to prefer to spend more time at home, people spent prefer more time in the office. And you know, that's an ongoing dialogue to find what's going to be the right balance um, that we do maintain you know team dynamics and, and being a team building in some face time now, whether that's always office space or activities away from the office, just to keep the connection, but yeah, it's going to be a shakeout period and who knows where we're going to end up interesting times.
0: I think it's fascinating. I think there's such an opportunity for individuals to be, feel like they have a contribution and still retain their individuality and their preferences to what they want whilst businesses being able to get the best out of teams. has got to be the right way to go. And maybe people didn't realise that before, but certainly in the last 12 months, people have got used to spending time at home, seeing their kids come home from school or being able to go and, you know, some of people have been carers, so being able to go and support their families whilst still being able to, you know, balance their workload and deliver exceptional things.
1: Absolutely. And I think you need to balance off those individual preferences with you know, thinking about you know younger younger people joining the workforce, and for me, I, I learned everything I know by osmosis. Mm-hmm. What do I see and hear in the office? What behaviours do I see? What expectations do I see? How do I operate? So, you, you know, businesses need to make sure you are building in that opportunity. So it's not just, um, I guess, technical training of how to do your job, but is that general, you know, how to carry yourself, how to you know, how, what standards to uphold that you need to being amongst people for that so so that will require a lot of thinking about how to deliver that if, if people aren't going to be spending a, a large chunk of their time in the office.
0: That socialisation piece you know how you interact and respect each other and be kind and all you know all the things that we teach our children now and schools teach our children and it's going to be the same for us you know integrating back in you know society not necessarily conforming but being able to feel comfortable with who you are and being able to socialise and interact with people and learn from people around you, like you said. Absolutely. Is there a point where during your career that you remember feeling more comfortable with who you are and where you found your voice?
1: Um, I wouldn't say there's a a singular point. I I guess it's just growing over time with with gaining experience and and finding, finding acceptance and, you know, over time, proving, you know, proving my worth to the organization I've been in, and gaining that respect of people, then you know, allows that, that confidence to grow that, well, hang on, if if these people think I'm doing all right, then maybe I am. So it's just, a, I think, a growth over time. I wouldn't say there's been a, a, a defining point. I, I kind of just bumble along as I go and s- slowly evolve.
0: It, it reminds me it was a, a quote I read this morning, but being in the, the right space, so whether that's culture, the company, or the company that you keep, helps you to be rather than just by doing. And you talked there around you were doing things. It felt like you were creating and testing, you know, whether this is the right space for me, you know, am I feeling more confident about it? And being able to then be who you are in its actual environment.
1: Yeah, I completely agree yeah. with that
0: tell me your your top three tips for people who either want to go into the you know the finance space um undecided around what they want to do but certainly want to progress in their career and also are are introverted too what
1: um I I guess the main one is not necessarily related to finance but in in, in general is is don't be don't be afraid to ask the dumb question uh you know you're all going to be have times when you don't know what on earth is going on around you and just because other people are merrily confidently talking away about something doesn't mean that they necessarily have all the answers so you know stop Mm -hmm. and ask um, because that is the way you will you'll pick more up or or expose the fact that everyone's happily going down a route that they don't know either uh, Mm -hmm. and everyone's just blinded by confidence so so just asking questions of everything and everyone uh, for me is, is just a great way of learning yourself picking up more information but also i guess error checking along your way, or are we doing the right thing? Secondly, I guess ultimately you have to be yourself. Um, don't, don't be fearful that who you are, isn't, isn't right. Or isn't correct for, for where you are. You know, you, you have to be yourself uh, because trying to be somebody else, I think it is exhausting and you can't do it long-term and, and you won't be authentic. If you're, if you're playing a role, therefore, you know, find a career in and in a company and in an industry that who you are sits well with and i guess finally um observation for me you know, it's a it's an absolute superpower sit back and, and, and watch you, you don't need to be the the center of things and the one driving a conversation you know shut up and listen for a while and, and watch what's going on around you, you know, as i say learning by osmosis that's it's that process of see what's happening and and, and you know analyze what's going on because uh, you pick up so much that the people that are talking don't
0: yeah great tips and Observation, absolutely. You know, being able to truly listen and just keep quiet for a bit. <laughs> it's not all about you, is it? Yeah, I love those tips. And I have one final question that's sparked out when you were talking about that, if I may. When you've, if you think about when you interview people, because you, you talked about don't be afraid to ask questions and not every environment allows those questions to percolate. And how do people find that right environment? So if they're interviewing and you're on the candidate side, what questions would you recommend them to ask their potential employer to make sure that, that there's a bit more alignment in the culture and the, and the company that they want to go and work with where they can ask those questions and be themselves?
1: Yes, yeah, great question. Um, well, I guess you need to start by probing on you know what what's the culture and, and the values of, of the business. Um, and once you've got the answer to that, show me some examples, show me some real world proof that it isn't just nice words on a company presentation somewhere that this is the values we live by, you know, show me how that runs through your business. You know, how is it part of everyday life and, and, and is that appealing to me? You know, I've seen some businesses with cultures that I wouldn't want to go anywhere near and, and see, see, seen that in, in job interviews myself When examples have been given or, or, you know, seemingly throwaway comments from a hiring manager that you kind of sat out of the room horrified by I think, well, you know, listen to that voice. If a part of you is saying, I'm not happy with that, there's a very good reason for it. Um, So either use that as an opportunity to walk away there or or as a point to probe further. If something doesn't sit right at the interview stage, keep on asking. Keep yourself happy because you're better off finding out there rather than three months down the line being being miserable somewhere where you don't fit.
0: They're really great tips. Perhaps one that I always think is telling is when an organisation doesn't allow you to meet other people. So, you know, it becomes a very closed room where, uh, you know, don't be afraid to say, could I have a chat with a member of the team or someone else? And if they say no, then for me, that just feels a bit, it doesn't land right with me. You should be open and be comfortable with who people want to go and speak to.
1: Absolutely. Um, Certainly, I remember years and years ago, uh, as part of an interview process being, you know, not just walk around the office, meeting people, but also sat down in a room of, here's, here's the team you're dealing with, sit and mm-hmm. have a chat, we'll lead you to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly that's something that, that I, I've, I've taken away. So, that, that, you know, a bit hardened at the moment with remote work. But, mm-hmm. um, so, so certainly office space, you know, walk around the office with people, introduce them to people and yeah, sit down. These are the people you're going to be working with, you know, feel free to ask questions and I won't be here to monitor their responses. So absolutely. you should hopefully get an, on, an honest opinion uh, of, of, yeah. of the truth, truth of this. I think that's absolutely hugely valuable, um, both for the prospective employee to, to learn about the business, but also as an employer mm. that people know what they're signing up for and they're not going to turn around after a week and say, oh, it's not for me. Let's make the decisions, be, you know, get that out of the way first. Let's not make a mistake because we haven't asked the questions or expose as much information as we need to.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Graham. Really enjoyed our conversation. They had great tips. So thank you.
1: Oh, it's great to talk to you, Julia.
0: Thank you for listening. I love to talk and work with people and businesses who want to achieve more. I challenge their thoughts to create possibility. Anyone can be part of the conversation. Leave me a message, ask a question and connect with me.